What's going on? Sweat It Out is sponsored by Ice Shaker, the ultimate bottle for living an active and healthy lifestyle. You see, Ice Shaker is the perfect bottle for keeping your drinks hot or cold and blending powders on the go. It was created by Chris Gronkowski and invested in by Mark Cuban, so you all know it's legit. So please, we encourage you guys to go check them out at iceshaker.com and use our coupon code SWEATITOUT for $5 off your first purchase of $25 or more. If you guys know us, you know we're not here to push products that aren't going to benefit your life. If we use it, we want you guys to use it because we know it's going to bring a lot of value. And there's no better bottle than Ice Shaker. Another thing, guys, both Josh and I, we live in Miami. And you know that's a very hot city. So it's super important for us to keep our drinks cold at all time. So for those who live in hot cities as well, you know what we're going through. One more time, check them out at iceshaker.com and use coupon code SWEATITOUT for $5 off your first purchase of $25 or more. Boom. If you guys are like us, you know how hard it is to find the perfect pair of workout gear. That's why we want to introduce you to 10,000. 10,000 is a no BS, no gimmick company with no endless scrolling through indistinguishable products. We understand how overwhelming it can be to have to scroll through a mindless amount of products and colorways when you're trying to pick the perfect fit for you. 10,000 has pared back their line to just the essentials, creating a system of gear that's perfectly designed for all the ways you train. Check them out at 10,000.cc and use the code SWEATITOUT for 15% off your order. Welcome back, guys, to the Sweated Out Podcast. In today's episode, we have an amazing guest. This individual has obtained many achievements throughout his life, as well as gone through many ups and downs. And it's really interesting to have seen where he started to where he is today. Having a passion in journalism and having a passion in fitness, seeing that combination really come out together into what it was and into what it is today is truly amazing. I want to welcome Ebenezer Samuel. It's time to sweat it out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. What is up, everybody? We are back on the Sweated Out podcast, and today we have a special guest, Ebenezer Samuel. What's up, my brother? How's it going, man? Everything How's going, going good, man. Everything going good. Um, how you been, man? How's everything out there? Uh, surviving. I mean, I'm up in New York City, so we're still kind of stuck in, in that quarantine situation. Yeah, same. Uh, we're about to lock back down, I have a feeling. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, I think so. Well, supposedly we've funny. become the epicenter, right? Or something like that. We're close to that. Yeah, but they, they've been reporting. They've been, like, messing up the cases and, you know, not and, like, uh, not reporting on time and then, like, waiting a couple weeks and then pushing them all out at once. And so yeah, we'll I feel like every... <laughs> I feel like I feel like this whole year, pretty much, everybody's been, like, in and out of something. And it's just, it's impossible to kind of get 
it's crazy what that does to like training rhythm, but it's just impossible to get a life rhythm right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's, yeah. it's been really interesting. I, I know, I know I've definitely learned a lot about myself and like how to just try to stay focused on work and kind of push all that aside and let it be what it is. So I gotta, yeah. I gotta ask you, um, just because, um, you know, now that we're in this topic, you doing what you do, you know, how great you are at, at what it is you do. What did it, what, what, how hard was it actually the question? How hard was it, um, to make a transition or what was the challenging part of making that transition from where you were to moving everything online, um, pushing programs <clears throat> online, you know, working with people online, how was that transition for you? And what was your experience like with that? Dang, jump into the hard questions fast. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't mess around. They get you sweating real quick. Sweat oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, to be honest, so it's weird. I feel, Do you mean from like a court, from like a men's health perspective or more from just like me kind of working with people and stuff like that? Um, which one do you mean more? I guess we could dive into into both. You know, maybe you can get a perspective yeah. on both. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so from a men's health perspective, it was kind of... Um, I've always kind of done, um, a lot of my, a lot of my own video work. So it was, it was pretty organic to kind of shift into, to kind of shift into that. It was interesting because as a, as a company, and I think this is true kind of most large corporations, whether they're media companies or not, you're used to kind of going to an office and seeing people and having your dialogue that way. And, and so I think initially for us as a company, there was kind of that natural culture shock that wow we, we're not going to talk to each other how are we going to communicate and everybody gets all worried that we're not going to be able to kind of stay fluid and agile and and even me just you know i'm not going to get FaceTime with with um with our staff um but what what i think we've all quickly learned and i think this goes both in fitness and just corporately is like is the world is so much smaller because of things like FaceTime and slack and and uh, and all that kind of stuff so it um it's actually, um, it, it happened very quickly, probably in like two weeks. I think I know I personally was up to speed. Um, and just corporately, I, we've, we've, it's crazy. We've been doing this for now, March, April, May, June. We've been doing this for three months and we've put out three issues. We put out three really good issues loaded with stuff. You were in one of them. Yeah. The, the man himself. That was, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a, it was awesome to shoot you. But, um, but you know, I think, I think we just kind of has, have moved on and it, you, you kind of forget how pliable and, and, um, how pliable the human brain is that we can all kind of just adjust that quickly. Um, it's interesting from a work perspective, um, because for me, I actually personally don't really love, uh, I don't love, you know, going to, when you're in New York too, you will burn you take, uh, did I lose you guys? Am I? Uh, yeah, I you're I back on now. Yeah, yeah okay. a brief second. Sorry about that. Um, but you take a, you take an hour to get to the office. You take another hour to come home from the office. That's two hours out of my 24 hour day that I can't be doing anything. Right. That I'm I'm very limited to not training, to not being able to work with clients, where I'm just in a bus or on a on a train or in my car. And what I've actually found for me, I, it's been a little bit liberating working from home. Because those two hours now, so I used to train, 
you know, once a day. Right. And it's that big session right after I get out of the office and that's how it is personally. Um, and now I I'll train I, instead of having this big, you know, session where I've got to cover my mobility, I've got to do my strength work. I've got to get in my conditioning if I want it. And it's kind of like at some point your brain just kind of goes, I got two hours on my day back. And so I can now get, so I'll train twice a day and I can break those sessions up into say my mobility work and maybe my conditioning. And then maybe my strength work comes later. It's strength work and skill work, but I can mix things up. So I personally don't mind it. That must <laughs> um, be really good. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting from a client perspective for me too, for, for me personally, because I, I was always somebody who I love to work with clients in person. Right. And the reason is because I can kind of, I can watch them from all angles. Right. So I can make sure I'm very obviously pick, like picky about technique. I want to, I want to watch how you deadlift before I'm going to ask you to deadlift and stuff like that. Make sure your angles are right on the bench. And so initially when this started, I was, cause I can't work with people in person. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to keep it super small not work with a lot of, not work with a lot of people because I want to request a lot of video and I want to be able to be meticulous in that fashion. But again, the thing that, that, that has really been eye opening for me has been the tools, right? I can do a lot more with FaceTime than I thought. I'm working with um, a, a, a group called Ladder. I have a program called Origin. I can do a lot in terms of, I didn't realize how well I could, I could instruct on video over that, you know, that I can give a lot of information. I can convey a lot of information. I have to be smart about it. And so it's different mental muscles, but I can convey a lot of information to people that I need in that. And so it's kind of, it's been good from a personal perspective and just to learn these things. It's been good from a corporate perspective. I think in general, you're going to see corporations go in a very different direction when this is all done. And I think it's been good just from a, from an overall fitness perspective. I think that things, and I mean, you do a great job of it too, Anthony. I think the things we've been able to kind of give people in terms of, of finding different tools of, of resistance doesn't have to just be resistance. The things we've been able to kind of teach people over these last couple of months are hopefully going to stick with the, the one thing I think everybody should come out of from a fitness perspective with from this quarantine, no matter where we go is no excuses because there is no, excuse. like if you are, Amen. I mean, yeah, like a load is a load. If you have a kid, I, I probably shouldn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. Yeah. He's going to start throwing stuff around. I did a baby <laughs> video already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think so. So, you know, it's, it's been an adjustment, but I have not. Um, I think we've all been able to adjust and I, I think there's a, there are ways to get work done. So yeah. that's uh that's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, one of the biggest pushbacks I used to always have with my clients down here in Miami, you know, we deal with a lot of, you know, just like you probably deal with like a lot of high level executives, people who are traveling a ton. And one of the things that I used to always tell them was like, well, we can do, we can do training sessions on FaceTime or Zoom or whatever. And they're like, no, it's going to be too complicated and this and that. And now they're all about it. They're like, oh, we're going to go to North Carolina for a month and we're going to train every day. And, you know, we're going to be able to do all this stuff. I'm like, finally, you know, finally, yeah. I got you guys understanding that like you can, you can make this happen. It just takes an adjustment period to get comfortable with it all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it was, it was kind of the same adjustment period for me because I think like, yeah. And I think there's a barrier, there's kind of a technology barrier where even zooms like literally until the quarantine started, I thought zoom was like a superhero or something like that, or he was the flash bad guy. Right. <laughs> um, and I, I didn't realize that, that you and I, that we could be doing something like this and that it would be fluid. I think so many of it, it's crazy. So many of us are probably born, you know, we came up with the internet and we remember, I feel like if we were doing this five years ago, it's not this smooth. 
and technology has just advanced to that point where we can, where you can get that kind of work done. I'm, I'm really, again, like I've always been skeptical of online training just because I can't convey all that information, but I've been, and a friend of mine made a great point too. He's like, you put so much stuff out there. We, we all put stuff out there on social media in terms of workouts and stuff. And, and we're, we're giving people that and they can consume it and maybe their form isn't perfect, but then there, it always comes back to um, the basic fundamental idea that movement is good. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my friend asked me, he's like, would you rather they move without any supervision from you at all? Right. Which is what they're doing now. Or would you rather coach them a little bit? And then they're moving with some supervision that you can correct stuff. And he's right. You know, if I can't, if I can't access you in person, I can still do more for you on FaceTime than I can if I'm not FaceTime with you at all. So yeah. Um, and I feel like people, people are realizing that too, because I think from the training perspective, yeah, they want to have their trainer focus on them and they can get some of that. They, they're not, they either get none of that or they get that through FaceTime. And I think we've kind of adapted a little bit. I love that you brought that up because I think it is important to understand too, as, as coaches that, you know, which it is for somebody who's used to training on one on one in the on, in person all the time. Yeah. It could be a little awkward shift. It could be a little interesting to see, okay, well, what do I do now um, to be able to coach my client in enough way that I can deliver to them a ton of value. Um, but it's true. You know, that was one of the things I had said one time, a long time ago. It's, it's one of those things where if you know, you're good at what you do, you know, regardless, yes, a one-on-one session in person is going to be different, but if you know, there's other people out there or there's, or they're not getting out the coaching that they should be getting at a high value online, or if they don't have any coaching at all, then that amount of value that you can deliver over online is better than them not doing anything at all you know, and it's just going to serve them much better. And then I think another thing that you brought up was amazing, which was towards the beginning was, you know, all these, all these new things that we learn and all these new skill sets that we've learned as coaches by diving more into the online world, it's shown us a different way of coaching. It's giving us different ways and ideas to be able to coach better uh, without having to be there with somebody. And it challenges us as coaches because now you're, you have to use different senses that have to, you know, increase to be able to deliver the best you can for your for your clients. So watching them even more, listening to them even more. And I think we spoke, uh, Josh, with Sarah the other day. We were talking about, like, you actually, in a way, have to, like, get to know them even more specifically through online because of the connection aspect of it. So you have to really sit down with them and really get to know your, your, your client if you're starting with somebody new. Um over a zoom call where you can focus now where it's not like you're standing up you're this you're sitting down actually like concentrating on what's going on in a seated position on the screen so it's just a different experience that i think it it has its benefits and of course one-on-one will never go away but i think we can also say that there's a lot of value that can be given online so i really i really like the fact that you brought that up yeah it's interesting too because uh when you think about it like i to me it's also made me better as as kind of a verbal communicator of training of, of training because before i would okay you can't get this down like a lot of for, for me a lot of the way i would train people is i would work with them once a week and i would give them because again i have a lot of responsibilities in mental health so i would work with them on say a saturday session or whatever and then we would map out kind of the week that way they're comfortable but then if they can't do it right um well you can't figure this out well let's figure it out on saturday right um, because I'm going to see them on Saturday and then I can basically sit with them 
and I can literally say to them, I show them, okay, this is how it's supposed to go, you know, and kind of like create cues that way. Right. But in this current situation, what I've had to do is become a much better verbal communicator. And it's interesting because that's something I've always had to translate at men's health. We get the magazine looks great. It's, you know, but it's still pictures and it's text. Right. And so I need, there's a lot of filling in the blank I have to do. And I've had to learn how to fill in that, fill in those blanks of men's health from that perspective over time. But then the, over these last couple of months, I've had to learn to, okay, how do, is that the best way? And it forces you to reevaluate things that maybe you just write or you just type or you just throw in an Instagram caption, right? But is, is that, is, is that the best way for me to explain a hip hinge? Is this the best way for me to explain external rotation? because I have to be able to verbalize these things better. So it makes us, I feel like it makes us better at communicating and that on that really is, you can have all the knowledge, but if you can't get it out to people, I think we're all getting a lot better as trainers at just communicating our message to people a lot better. Have, have you, or, or can you give the people that are going to be listening or watching to this on YouTube, can you give them maybe some best practices that you found that have really helped along the lines of, you know, being able to communicate better through text, uh, compared to like how you would do it verbally. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, it's hard. Cause I feel like a lot, a lot of it has been kind of instinctive for me and I haven't thought too much of, of the best practices. I think the thing that I've started to do the most is I'll literally, um, first of all, I'll kind of, uh, guinea pig it against some guinea pig it against like a friend or something like that. I'll text them somebody who I'm really comfortable with, like another trainer. I'll text them something. I'll be like, I need to communicate this. Um, I'm going to tell you to do something. I'll do this with my brother a lot. Right. I'll be, I'll literally text him. I'm going to tell you to do something. Okay. And you do it, or I'm going to tell you to do something. And you send me the video of you doing that. Right. And then if my language didn't work, you know, I've seen it because my brother, you know, I told my brother to hinge at his hips, you know, and he just fell over. Right. So obviously I'm not communicating something. Right. So then I try different things. So that's one thing I've done. And then I also, I, I do, I try to, I try a lot more things on myself. So like if I'm trying to explain external rotation, right. I'll literally, and this is stuff that it's interesting that I've kind of done on some level with the magazine, but now I'm translating it into a lot more text message, uh, text message communication. If I'm trying to explain internal rotation, external rotation, I may literally just, okay, what did I think about to do that? What did I think about to create this internal rotation and external rotation? How can I explain that best? And I literally kind of go through the process. I think just kind of going through your, um, your own algorithm for something and then kind of really just taking the time to write it helps. Um, the other thing I think is it's, it, and, and this is a lesson that I learned a long time ago for in-person training. Um, I tend to overwrite cause I want to be really detailed. Right. And a lot of times what I found, I found this both in-person training, but then more so in text, what I tend to do is I'll, and, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this with me, Anthony, cause I know I text you sometimes I'll like send a text and then there's another one and another one <laughs> and another one. Right. And it probably like, and I, and, and I, that's just how I do. Cause I get in on like a roll right? process, <laughs> but the, yeah. But the thing I've learned is that's not the best way to do things with clients. Right. It's like, so what I, what I, I, I used to do that with clients. But what I do now is um, I'll try to send them one text and I try to keep it to maximum three sentences, less if I can do that, because then they have time to digest it. And then when they come back to me with, oh, that didn't work, or can you give me a little more of this or whatever, 
then um, then I'll go more into detail with them. So that would be my, my second tip. My third tip is, and I've been saying, I say this all the time, but I say this especially with online class, and I've been doing it a lot more. I basically beg people to over communicate with me, right? Because the more you tell me, like the more they, the more you tell me, um, I didn't feel this or this is awful, you know, or, um, you know, I felt, um, I felt my back when I was supposed to feel my glutes and I don't understand that. The more you over communicate with me, the better. So I just encourage, I have one person who I work with in Virginia, who's like, I'm, I'm very close to her and she does a really good job with everything. She's also come a really long way and with her like um i basically told her like write feel free to like write me like a tiny novel and i'm gonna take my time and read it because i want all that detail because from that detail i'm able to give her better programs and better feedback so those are probably my three things just beg your clients to over communicate limit yourself limit your communication which sounds counterintuitive but actually works and then find somebody who you can just bounce like literally bounce your text off of and make sure it works yeah i really love it because in these podcasts that we've been having we've been able to see all these different new tools that different coaches have been using themselves and it's amazing to hear every time there's something new that josh and i learned from somebody else in the fitness industry saying like this is what they're doing for their with their clients over online or in zoom and it's just really cool to to see the different tactics and strategies and tools that are out there because there is always a way and you know i appreciate you sharing that because i know listeners out there especially coaches are going to definitely be able to learn and use these tools um so i have a question just because I'm, I'm really curious and um having to know especially with the success that you've been able to build on for yourself so when where and how did you start your journey because i'm very interested in knowing <laughs> um, it depends, it depends how far you want me to take, me, take this back. So, uh, so I have literally probably since I was, so I was a big, um, comic book guy when I was a kid, love like Superman, um, Sp Superman, Spider-Man are my two, like if I could be anybody in the world, it's completely impractical, but that's it. Let's go. Um, you, you very, very quickly learn that if you try to jump off, you know, your roof or pretty much anywhere, um, <laughs> you're not meant to fly or stick to the ceiling how high was that um roof? what how high was that roof <laughs> it was uh it wasn't a roof it was a box okay and i was like hey. um and it, i've done tables too those also don't go well um and yeah so um the roof i have i know better than to now and I've, I've done i've done the top of a car but um but it's you know again like so so just loving superheroes and kind of loving comic books um you kind of fall in love with that. The two kind of places where I think superheroes are as close to real as they can be are one on the athletic field of play. When you watch Odell Beckham make that great one hand to catch a couple years ago, I can't remember how long, or you watch, you know, Michael Jordan flying through the air, Kobe Bryant flying through the air, like that to me, those are kind of um, super, not the heroic part, but the athleticism and kind of the oohs and ahs that it's it's still it's that personified right and then the other place you see it is you know the the muscle look like like all those superheroes are always built with muscles upon muscles upon muscles and i was a really skinny kid um but i wanted to kind of figure it out like i was the kid who when he was like i think when i was a freshman in high school i could not do like a push-up so 
but I'm growing up and I want to kind of figure all this stuff out. And the one thing, one of the things my dad taught me is kind of like, if you want to do it, you just have to kind of take your time and learn it. My dad's, uh, he has polio. So his, uh, we had polio. He's like 74, just turned 74. He had polio. He was born in Malaysia. Um, and so his legs like literally don't work. Right. But he still, you know, he would get up, take me to school every day. Um, you know, he still takes like, he's like 74 years old and he, he lives in Pennsylvania now and he'll go to a Dick's Sporting Goods with, um, with, uh, mask and gloves on and walk around for like an hour. And that's like his workout. He, he like has big braces. That's stuff awesome. Like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but so, you know, it's kind of like, if you want to work at it, you, you can get it. So it was kind of one of my things. And I feel like it's something I've learned over time is like, you just got to figure it out. I'm rambling a little bit. So I apologize. No, nah, you're good. Edit me. Make you're, good. Good. you're good. You're um, good. We ramble. We ramble all the time. So don't don't no, worry. We about love it. this. We love this. Um, but but you know, so I, so I'm this kid. I'm growing up, and I watch my dad just kind of figure it out in a lot of situations. Literally figure out how to walk because again, his legs don't work, and so he's he kind of taught his body how to move in a different way. Um, and I'm fascinated by all this stuff. And I wasn't initially sure what I wanted to do in undergrad. Um, again, I love athleticism, so I can't jump off a building, but maybe I can go be in the NBA was, was my grand plan. Um, I'm five, nine and a half, you know, so that story ends there. Um, but I went to, when I went to undergrad, I went on an accounting scholarship. Um, but again, it's, it's kind of within the back of my mind. And these are, these are the small things that 19 year old Ebenezer would think about. And when in the back of my mind, I'm like, who cares? Cause I'm going to a college and I can cruise through accounting. Right. And every college has a big gym. So I'm just going to go hang out. I'm just going to go live in the gym. Right. Um, and that's pretty much what I did. Um, not a lot of training, just kind of reading magazines and stuff like that. Um, realizing that like a lot of the stuff that's in those magazines, like the muscle and fitness workout that says you should do, and it's not a diss on muscle and fitness at all, but you know, the, the muscle and fitness workout that says I should do five sets of three on the bench press isn't working you know, and it's just not getting me where I want to get into where I want to get. So what I wound up doing is kind of, um, studying like a lot, just, you know, kinesiology, anatomy, kind of learning as much as I could for myself, got into that to, I mean, I, I have my accounting degrees. Uh, it's completely useless to me and you don't want me anywhere near your taxes, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But I spent, you know, I spent a lot, of t I spent most of my time kind of studying that other stuff. Eventually, um, eventually what I wound up doing, I was kind of, I, I, I wound up in journalism school at Syracuse for my grad degree. Let's go. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, I wound up in journalism school at Syracuse. That was a one year program. Again, my plan there was to study real hard and get my grad degree. Um, but also to just go live in the gym. You know, and so I would just you went to Archibald. Them. You went to that the, uh, that dungeon, that so. dusty old dungeon. <laughs> I think so. I don't remember the names. It's I don't like remember the it name. used to be. I mean, they just redid I it, said, but it was like big and gross. It just smelled like dust. In stories there. about Syracuse all the time. It was. It was. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds familiar. I think that's it. And they had like it had like a big basketball. Yeah, court all the basketball right? courts in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I actually I actually tore my ACL there too. Wow. <laughs> It was, it was, it was actually awful not to get, not to go off on a tangent, but, um, I lifted, let's see, but th these are the dumb things you do when you're like 21, 22 years old. Right. <laughs> I lifted. Okay. I had lifted like legs, like hard, you know, also like probably completely, I mean, you know, somewhat right. But at the same time you're 21, 22. So you go way too freaking hard. Right. Um, 
And then somebody was like, okay, let's go play basketball. But I had actually played basketball before that. Cause I would like literally when you're in grad school, you know, you know how it is. It's like, you go to class like two days a week yeah. and the rest of the time you have these whole days off that you're supposed to study. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, right. No, nah, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like study as in go to the gym for 24 hours. So yeah. I think I had played basketball earlier that day. And my friend was like, let's play one more. Okay. So, you know, lifted legs and whatever, um, play basketball. And you know how there are those guys on the court who like really don't belong on the court because they're really just like, like giant, like football players slash wrestlers slash professional tacklers. Right. Yeah. They're not playing yeah. basketball. I, <laughs> no, exactly. There's elbowing people. Exactly. This guy, like, like he, I, I swear it was like a he like rugby swiped at my knee or something like that. It was gone. Like right then. It was actually an interesting experience though, because, um, I, I've always been, I've always tried to be really body aware of stuff. Um, and we're going off on another tangent. I promise I'll get back to the, you know, but I've I always, <laughs> I've always tried to be super body aware, like just growing up because like, I wasn't probably the most natural athlete, especially growing up. It took me a while to kind of grow into my body and figure stuff out. Um, but I've always tried, it, it, it was interesting because you can kind of, and I've always been hyper kind of, you know, it's like if I ever go to a doctor if I ever go to a physical therapist or if I'm ever in with the PT, um, one, I want to ask a lot of questions Two, I want to feel everything. Right. Like, and, and really understand how it's supposed to feel. And three, because I came up and I mean, we're kind of ahead. I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit because I came up with a lot of kind of bodybuilding and my muscle connection ideas. Um, you know, I want to like really kind of feel that muscle. And it was interesting because I still remember like kind of feeling that, that, um, that kind of, like just how it felt like the tear, like I'm playing with my knee right now as I talk to you guys and, and kind of remembering. Right. Um, but it was like, after that, it's like, I couldn't do anything, you know? Um, it's kind of a downer. Um, and it was, but it was interesting. Cause I remember going back to my room. Um, it was, a, it was kind of a, it was like a weird situation because it was like 11 o'clock at night. So I wasn't going to a doctor and immediately the one thing I had learned, the one thing I had learned by the time I got to Syracuse was reading and this sounds bad because I work for a magazine. And so I definitely try to make us like very different and keep our information super useful and super strong and make sure it's really, we, we put out strong information at men's health. Cause that's something I really want us to do from a fitness perspective. I want to make it super legit, but reading the magazines I was reading as a kid, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't cutting it. So what I started doing, I had started doing by then is reading like a lot of studies. Like I would read the study, myself you know i would pay for the study myself off off wherever i had to get it um and i would i and i remember reading about like you know proprioception and where that where like how that's going to impact my acl because i knew i wasn't going to be able to have surgery basically i wasn't going to be able to have the adrian peterson surgery and have it the next day i knew i have you know i'm going to have to finish graduating i'm going to have to get all this scheduled there's going to be along the timetable this and that and the other thing and um but either way, my ACL was was gone. I can't completely remember why I told you. Oh, the reason I told you that story. I apologize for jumping around. But um, the reason, so I went to Syracuse, got a journalism degree. And the, the purpose for that was because I wanted to get closer to athletes, right? And get to spend a lot of time around them um, and get to kind of learn their muscle secrets, if you will. Um, their athleticism secrets. I was the kind of guy who was always obsessed with the combine and I wanted that that chance to learn from them. Right. And so it was kind of a different reason to kind of get a journalism degree. Um, also like I, I, I hadn't believed at that point that I could ever be, um, a trainer. I was like, I was like, I'm too small. I'm not strong enough. 
you know, um, I'm 21 years old. And obviously I, you know, if I was to me, like the, your, your ability to perform and your ability to move as a trainer is sort of your resume. It's different than any job. And when I was looking at myself at 21, 22, I was like, I can't do that. But what I can do is I can write. Okay. So let me get myself into, let me get myself into the, into journalism and let me write about athletes because when I write about athletes, you know, I'm going to do it different. I'm going to write about the athlete, but you know, everybody else is going to interview say Odell Beckham or Tom Brady about, you know, Sunday's game, my goal. And this is what I wound up doing. Cause I eventually wound up uh, to kind of reader's digest it a little bit. I graduated from Syracuse wound up at the New York daily news, um, eventually wound up covering NFL, NBA, um, major league baseball. And when everybody else would ask those guys about, you know, what about Sunday's game? I mean, I would do that cause that's my job. But the thing that I found more fun was, Hey, um, what's your workout this weekend, Victor Cruz, you know, or, um, I said, I was really good friends with, um, with an offensive lineman on the giants. And like, we would just, you know, um, he got a concussion one year. And I think that year, like we would just go lift on Fridays. Right. So I was training with these guys. What you, it's, what's interesting is you kind of gradually learn that, that the trainer who trains the football player knows the training and the football player just kind of knows football. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which was a little, that's again, a for me. That's yeah. A <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know I mean? It's still like you learn. So you learn those things cause you, cause you get to be in there and you kind of watch the way they move and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Eventually I did get, um, I did kind of wind up getting, um, my CSCS. So I studied a good bit for that. Um, but the way I got to men's health, I kind of, um, was a little bit roundabout because I, I was kind of happy. I was okay doing this thing and kind of like writing about football and writing about basketball and stuff like that. And, and whenever I could, you know, taking the time, like I remember there was one year giants had like a bunch of ACL injuries in a row. Right. And I think I wrote about, I think I wrote about those ACL injuries and kind of talked to doctors because that was the stuff I was into. So I could spin that into stories. And at the same time, I could learn, I could learn a ton from that. Just and I could also make connections. I could make connections for, um, for guys who I would later talk to and kind of ask about training and ask about fitness for myself. So I always saw it kind of as that. And then when Men's Health had an, an opening for fitness editor, I believe it was a fitness editor position. Um, in 2017, the newspaper industry was kind of where it was. It was not in a great place. And I was like, I always wanted to do fitness. Um, I know how to write. So this kind of straddles the line. So let me see if I can, if I can get over there. They hired me and the rest has been, uh, has been history and been a super fun ride. Like that I really, really enjoyed. So that is, yeah, that's my story. Crazy. So that's definitely (laughs) an interesting journey. That's definitely, uh, was there, was there anything that you found though, when you were speaking to the athletes? I mean, you know, I, I know pretty well that, you know, you're dead on. They don't, they don't really know a lot about the, the training side of things. I could barely, when I, I used to work in, uh, you know, the strength and conditioning lab at, uh, FAU when I was in grad school and I could barely get them to read the card that had the workout on it, let alone, you know, understand what we were doing. But was there any, did you ever like find an athlete that really understood the training side of things? Cause there are a couple of people out there that, you know, fall in love with the process like you did, but don't have, you know, the strict exercise science background to follow that up. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, in- it's interesting. Cause I think, um, there are like a couple guys. So 
one guy on the Giants practice squad for a while. I, you guys may not have heard of him, but he's, his name is Brandon Bing. And we used to get, we got along pretty well. He was only there for, I think, you know how those like practice squad guys go. It's like, they're there for like a year, maybe two, and then they're at the league. But, um, but he, um, I think he actually went on to start his own performance training center, um, or performance training business. Um, there are like a couple guys like that. So he was good. Steve Weatherford was always interesting. He's he a was, beast. He, yeah. He's, he's a an beast. Animal. I guess an animal, an absolute savage. Yeah. It was crazy. I remember there was one time. Um, and so me and me and Steve, always got along really well because because we were like we were like the meatheads of ours like he was even for even for football okay steve weatherford is like the meatheadiest of the football players it's right? always the punters and the kickers <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, that's true. yeah yeah um yeah but he was i mean uh so i remember i remember there was one time so i um the first time i talked to him because yeah there's this jack guy who's a punter and he looks totally it's like who is this guy right no he can't be the punter he's got to be some other position no he's a punter um but so he also had a lot of spare time in his hand we're not going to talk about that but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway i remember i remember i i the first time i talked to him i, I was like i i had just gotten i had just gotten come because it is a little bit weird when like random journal like all the other guys are asking you about football okay and all the other journalists are also like old and bald and stuff like that okay and there's one guy who kind of looks like so in the uh, there's one guy who kind of looks like he he might know what he's doing in the gym. And he asked you a question, right? And so that was me. And so I would be like, I, w- I remember being like, what do you do? Because I, I, I was having trouble growing my shoulders, right? And then I was like, what do, what do you do for your shoulders, dude? Because I'm like, I lost. And he's like, so you want big shoulders. You want to pull your shoulders, right? And I was like, yes. And he's like, give me your number, okay? And literally, and, and so then you leave the locker room and we go get lunch. That's kind of how it works in the media. And I went to go get lunch. Um, I think I had like six eggs that day, right? And I come out of lunch and on my phone, on a text message, he's already sent me like like a ridiculous workout, okay? Um, and so we got we got really cool. We would like trade workouts all the time. Um, you know, every when I go to Cali, I try to catch up with him. Um, but yeah, he was like, he was always the meatheadiest of, of those guys. <laughs> how has how has your, your own personal uh like programming changed since, you know, those early days when you were diving into now, you know, where you do have such a plethora of knowledge and, and such a diverse uh, network to, to learn from. It's, 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 it's changed massively. Right. Obviously. Right. Um, but it, it's actually crazy to think about, cause as you're saying the question, I'm actually thinking about, about kind of the permutations that my workout has gone through. And I started, I feel like everybody starts like this though, unless, unless you come up in, in, unless you come up playing football from the time you're five or six years old. Right. I think almost everybody starts with bodybuilding because, or, you know, you want to look the part. And so you jump in, you think that you look at those guys and it's like, Oh, if I can be half of Ronnie Coleman, if I can be half of Ronnie Coleman, I'm perfect. Right? If I could be an 18th um, of Ronnie Coleman, I'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the truth. Exactly. Right. Um, and so that, that's how I came up and it was very, you know, um, four sets of 10 to 12 reps, you know, or four sets of eight to eight, almost never eight was too low because eight is, Oh, I'm not feeling the pump. Right. And I, I think I was the very early kind of pump chase. It's interesting too, because, um, the one thing I found for me is like a lot of stuff I kind of, I, I feel like, I feel like if you're kind of that, that gym person, you intuitively know, um, and not to get off on another tangent, you intuitively know that your form is bad, right? Like you intuitively know this bicep, this, this 225 pound biceps curl I just did. Okay. Where I was like rocking all over the place. I don't feel it in my biceps. Right. I just don't. 
So there's something wrong with it. Right. And I feel like it was that way for me. Like I was trying to do all this bodybuilding stuff, but, um, again, it's hard because I'm reading these in magazines, right. And they tell you to do a bench press, but they don't necessarily tell you that arching your back and your butt 10 feet above the bench is not going to like hit your chest. Right. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm benching 115 Cause that was my, my high number when I was a freshman in high school, I was really proud of that 115. Um, I'm benching 115. I'm not feeling it at all, you know, but my back is a little bit sore, which is kind of strange, but you know, it's like, you kind of know these things, but either way, I kind of came up in, in bodybuilding. I probably did that very strictly. That was, those are my Syracuse workouts, right? Again, it's like you learn all this stuff. And I was already, like I said, reading a lot of kinesiology and that, but I wasn't necessarily, it wasn't clicking in my head, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. I've, I've, you know, I, I like energy systems really cool. Now I'm going to go do biceps curls, right? I'm going to do four sets, 12. And I'm going to go up and wait every single set. And that's just it. Right. Um, but so I came up that way probably up, in, up until like 22, 23. And then, um, I, I kind of, you know, it's like you want more because all the workouts are the same. And I, and also like, I'm not getting the results I wanted because when I was up until probably about age 24, right. I'm doing all this stuff and you know, I'm not in bad shape. Like I can, you know, I I've benched my sloppy 225, Right. Um, but I'm not, I'm not getting the results I want either on the court or on the track because I like being fast. Right. And I'm also not getting all the results. Um, I want, like, I don't look like, like Chris Evans and Captain America, no matter how hard I try. Right. So obviously something's not working. So I know you like superheroes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I don't look like a superhero. So obviously something, or, you know, I have like, it's like, Oh, I look at my biceps and I look like a superhero. Right. But it's like, why can't I, you know, why don't my abs look the way I want to, you know what I mean? And it's like, all this stuff was like, and, and a lot of it was because again, it's like you, you kind of, you, you've read about it and, uh, or you've read about it or, but it's not clicking and you're not doing it. Right. Cause like, I was also the kind of guy like, like Monday is international chest day and it's just international chest day. But then I would, I really like bench pressing. Okay. And I eventually get, I'm very proficient at the bench press and very mechanically clean at it. So I was like, I really love bench pressing. So let's just not train back at all. And let's just bench press three days a week because it's such a, you know, cause you, I, I had rationalized at some point that, um, that you train, you know, Oh, you let, obviously we're supposed to lift heavy weight and I can bench more than I can squat. So I'm just going to keep benching and just not squat. But these things don't make any sense. Yeah. Right? Like, you, you, like I say them now and I'm like, dude, what was wrong with you? But, um, that's a good thing though. About, That's yeah. a good thing though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember I'm about 24, 25 and I'm, I'm talking to, I eventually you start, you just kind of give up on, on doing it your way. And I started to, you know, ask questions of other trainers at the gym, you know, and, and then I started, eventually I kind of stumbled onto, um, I remember I actually, I also like, you know, you, you start to get little aches and pains. And I, I remember thinking every single one is the end of the world because you go to, you have a little, you have a little elbow tendonitis, right? You go to a conventional doctor, they're going to tell you, uh, I remember I had this doctor and he, he took an x-ray. He's like, you have osteocytes, which everybody has on your, on your elbow. He used the word, right? Cause I remember I looked it up when I went home. Um, <laughs> and then he's like, and then he's like, you should never lift weights again. Jesus. You should just do cardio. You should, he's like, the elliptical is nice and safe. Great. Um, Great. Yeah. You, you tell Josh like, just to do cardio. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I always joke around that you're going to have to pay me to run yeah, sprints. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so I was like, I was like, well, let, so I started, you know, trying to ask smarter people, learn from smarter people, eventually stumbled onto CrossFit. Okay. 
Um, and the thing is that I really kind of liked, there, there was some stuff that then I found that was working for me. Right. Um, and so I didn't want to take that out. So I started kind of fusing my workouts with CrossFit workouts, which wound up being its own brand of nonsense. Right. Because then I'm doing like, like four sets of 10 to 12 reps on bench press and I'm squatting. And it's like, Hey, at the end, let's go do 30 muscle ups in an AMRAP, you know? And it's like, what? Mm. Um, because I didn't, <laughs> because I didn't understand what I was, how things fit together. Right. Um, and I, I, but I just gradually started talking to more people. Um, I think, and by 26, I started, I, I, I can't remember. There was some guy who basically, he said, he was like, here's what your problem is. Cause he would watch me curl. Right. And I was like, I'm curling fifties. Why do my biceps not look gigantic? Right. And he's like, because are you curling them with your biceps or your hips? I'm like, well, you, I'm like, dude, it's a biceps curl. I'm curling them with my biceps. He's like, no. And then he explained all this stuff to me about my muscle connection and kind of total body tension and stuff like that. And I forgot, I forgot about half of it by the time he was done, but like the, the mind muscle stuff really stuck with me. Um, and I've kind of tried to translate that throughout the rest of my training. And that's kind of, I think where I also started, I've, I've always wanted, I always wanted to be different with how I trained and that I want to be able to perform on kind of multiple planes. I want to make sure that I have flexibility. I actually went, I took gymnastics and the one thing when I was like seven and the one thing I always was, was flexible. And I never wanted to lose that. I never wanted to lose my natural speed and my ability to play basketball. I, I wanted to be strong at the same time. I basically wanted to be a superhero. Um, and so I kind of always, and so what I gradually just did as time went on after all those kind of early stumbles around like 25, when I kind of heard that my muscle thing, it really stuck with me. And I kind of, what I've done since then is just try to fuse all those pieces and kind of make sure that now, I mean, I have a workout where I'm getting my conditioning, where I'm training um, athleticism sometimes where I'm training strength just because I understand those pieces more. And honestly, I'd say like over the last five years is where I've really kind of like been able to put it all together. I ramble a lot. Sorry. So do I. We do too. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. It, this is all about learning more about you, which is the best man. So yeah. we appreciate that. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't want to forget this because we were talking off air about it and, it, and you know, it sounded mm. like some amazing things that you were doing, you know, personally and with men's health. Uh, do you kind of want to dive into some of the new projects that you guys have going on and, uh, you know, extrapolate from there? Yeah, we've got some great stuff coming up. So one, one thing for me, so I grew up in Pennsylvania, right? And the one thing I learned when I grew up in Pennsylvania, or the one thing in Pennsylvania is it is, it's, it's meathead territory, you know? So that's where a lot of my four sets of 10 to 12 came from because that's all I ever knew. Um, and it wasn't until I moved to so when I was in the when I was in Pennsylvania and I would ask guys, oh, why am I are my biceps not growing? They were like, curl more, right? And that was all there was. Um, and the thing I've learned I learned when I got to New York, it's when I got to New York that people were talking about CrossFit and mind muscle connection and functional training, you know. And it was dialoguing with those guys where my training was able to evolve. And a lot of, I think there are a lot of areas just in America that are like that where they, I mean, you guys are super fortunate. You're in Miami, I'm in New York. And so we're kind of in these training hotbeds where we can learn all these things. Um, a lot of people aren't and a lot of, I mean, a lot of minorities are. And so one of the things we're kind of doing at the daily, um, at men's health rather is, um, we're going to, we're kind of, we're working on involving a, a program that will kind of create some mentoring opportunities for, minority trainers, hopefully in some of these areas that are kind of 
you know, I, I almost, I liken it to the concept of, uh, of the food desert where you can't access good food. There are places in America where, yes, everybody knows you can do, say, 50 push-ups or drop and give me 100 burpees, right? Because that's just what you do or sweat till you drop, right? Um, but I want to kind of, what we're trying to do is basically create an opportunity for minority trainers um, who maybe can't access all the, the education, all the fitness ideas that we can, that we have. We want to make that available to them and just enrich them. That way they can then take that back to their neighborhoods, to those fitness desert areas and in living the fitness with smart ideas. And, you know, then, then we can kind of put minority trainers out there who can, who can walk up to their friends who are saying curl more and say, no, don't curl more. Let's use a technique that can get that person to the goals they want. Cause then we can just help get, so, so we're basically putting together a minority training program at um at men's health just a really good diversity mentoring program that can kind of uh that can kind of do that so that's one thing i'm super excited for this coming up that's amazing do you, do you know already some of the locations that you guys are going to be working with or some of the places in around the country uh we're still kind of we're still kind of working that out um what it's going to be is, is it's going to be there will be an application process and it's going to be a um it's going to be a a, a a targeted program to start out and then we're going to kind of expand but i think my hope is, and I think our vision for this is for it to grow and really mature into something, into something very expansive where we're just kind of helping the entire country. So Sounds amazing. There, there's a lot, there, it's crazy. If you go beyond Miami, New York, Chicago, LA, there's a lot of places what, that could really use kind of that kind of just deeper knowledge of training. There are right a lot time. of four sets of 10, 12 spots. Yeah. I don't know how uh, in depth you can go uh, with it before before you guys launch it all out. But do you have like a, a you know sort of like a component thing that you can can touch on, like what what the mentorship will kind of deal with, and and how you know once people are accepted in the program, they'll kind of go through the process of learning more and being able to bring all that stuff back to their own communities. Not yet. Not yet, but soon. We're excited. So stay, We're excited to hear about that. That'll, that'll be for yeah. the for the next podcast. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I talk way too much. Yeah. If there's anything we can do, you know, to help to help you out and help Men's Health out with that, you know, please feel free to let us know, and and we'll do everything in our power to to make sure that you know it Definitely. gets pushed out. Yeah. No. Thank you. Stay tuned on that. Stay tuned. Yeah, we you will. Know. We um, will for sure. Yeah. The other big thing, the other big thing I'm working on is obviously I'm working with that origin team over at ladder. So just kind of, you know, um, that's on the ladder teams app and that's just kind of a cool way to, uh, to kind of work with people again, kind of in this pandemic situation to work with people pretty closely or as close to direct as I can and kind of help, help people. Cause a lot of the stuff I put out on Instagram is kind of like a fusion of different ideas. It is kind of challenging and it's also not, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's really good workouts, but it's not always a, it, this is a little bit more set programming, a little bit more periodized, a little bit of something where you can kind of repeat the same motion for a month and get like a little more cues. So that's the other thing that's kind of fun to be working on right now. That's amazing. So what would you say is your, I know we were talking about the online um, coaching app coaching. What would you say has been your favorite thing about it? And the one thing that you had to really get accustomed to quickly to be able to deliver um, the best, you know, information possible. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing, my favorite thing about it is just, um, is just kind of getting to, is really just seeing video, you know, um, because 
And and that's the thing I didn't realize. And this is just kind of me thinking out loud and realizing I'm having this aha moment as I'm talking to you guys. Um, because I would always, when, when I train somebody in person, right, I'll have a set or two where I take video of them. I do not take, the one thing I try to avoid, I hate taking video to like post on Instagram, like, hey, look at me training this person. I can't stand that. Um, but I do a lot of video that way I can take it. And after a set, I can show it to them and I can point out, I can be like, okay, you, you, this is what you're doing on a deadlift and this is how I want it to look and this is how you get there, right? And the thing I didn't, like, I'm getting that same video from people online, right? And so I can basically... I can, I will, what I've taken to doing every so often is I'll like take that video into my iPhone or whatever, and I'll draw a little bit on a, or on my iPad rather, and I'll draw a little bit and then I'll send it back to them with like lines here and there. And it all, it's not artistic, but it's really cool. Um, just in terms of being able to give them that. So that's one thing I've really enjoyed about kind of online training, just the ability to kind of get video and people are super, because again, that's the only thing they have. So people are super easy and super quick to send video because I think they realize the importance. The biggest adjustment for me, like I said before, was that verbal communication because it's, it's not something again, to me, the easiest way is do it like this and then show them. And when that disappeared, okay, now I've got to take a little bit more time and figure out the text. And that was probably the thing I, I least liked. And the thing I least like, I, I do miss training people in person because again, it's so much easier. And also like, there are things that I can see in person that I can't, you know, I can see like, okay, this person is really wearing down. This workout isn't working. Right. And I can do that a little bit online, but I just don't, I can't watch it as closely or something. You know what I mean? Sometimes because I can't, I'm not going to ask you to like move your camera into the perfect place because I want to keep the tempo to work that up. So sometimes you have to let that go. So I do, you know, I do miss training people in person, but I've kind of gotten used to this online thing. Got anything to say? Oh, I thought you were going to say something. Um, yeah, man. No, that's amazing. And I know for a fact that more and more, these kind of conversations are going to be able to just help streamline where health and fitness is going, especially as you can see, as our industry evolves every year, new things, new technology, new trends. But I, me and Josh have talked about it all the time that, you know, even before um, COVID, we were already seeing shifts into the online world, the social media world, the app world in health and fitness. And honestly, I think that cor the Corona whole COVID situation just really sped up and ramped up everything that probably would have been here in the next two to three years, like firmly. Um, and it just sped up the whole process. And I think it just made, like you, we had said, it made people realize um, the importance of it. It made people realize that you can still deliver value. It re made people realize too that they can still get results off of it. And it really just challenged all of us to really up our game and not be comfortable with what we just know but also challenge yourself and be uncomfortable with the unknown, um, especially for those who weren't familiar with doing stuff online or in Zoom or through social media. I remember me and Josh were talking about it. I remember when I had friends for a while uh, that I'd always been, I'd been telling them, yo, guys, you got to get on social. You got to start putting stuff on online. You got to start doing this. And they were stuck fixated with the one-on-one. -on -one. And it wasn't for them to remove their stuff, just like just get your feet wet. And I remember those same people when, when the first case hit, um, and uh, sorry, when the first, uh, lockdown, when they locked down everything, they hit me up in the, like, I had like 10, 15 message. Yo, bro, help me out. What do I do? 
boom, boom, boom. And it was just crazy because it was just like to see now, like now talking to them, they've adjusted, but it's to see them from that point to now, how openly they've gotten about it. It's amazing because it's just like, dude, I'm going to keep most of my business on here. Or I'm going to do hybrid. I'm going to do part online, part pre-recorded, and then maybe see them once a week in person. So it's just really cool to see that new versatility. And also, too, I think that it's going to allow for, like Josh was saying, like, you know, when your clients go traveling, like, also freedom on the N-word. Like, now you can teach remotely. Like, let's say you're on vacation. Or let's say you want to just go somewhere and hang out there, but you still want to make money and have your business and attain to your clients. Like, you have that capability. So I just feel like, Moving forward, things are, are going to enhance. I think things are going to change um, and things are just going to get better. And I think like we were all saying, like our judgment, our our skill sets, our everything is just going to go up the roof. It's just going to make us more attentive, more alert, um, get better at, at, you know, writing text, verbal communication, where I think we're going to see in other areas when newer technology comes up. I think it's just going to make us approach that in a much easier fashion, in a more effective fashion. Yeah, and I think it's, it's huge, too, because when you think about some of the other shifts going on, where we're seeing this big shift towards, like, the, the tech trainer, right? Where, or the AI-driven trainer, like Tonal or... Mirror. You know, and yeah. All, yeah. Yeah, ton, Tonal, Mirror. And, and all these things are all these things are really cool, right? But it's it, the, the one thing they do is they scale better, and they can seem more approachable. That They, they seem more approachable than... Because they're in your living room they're more approachable than I need to go see this trainer at this intimidating gym and fight through traffic and get to my car. Right. And so, and so, yeah, so, so, so what we've, what we have to do, I think as a training community is make sure that we can like in a weird way, those are our competitors and we need to, to be accessible to that. Right. And the whole coronavirus, like, like before, it's really easy when somebody comes to your gym and you, I, I remember like when I would, when I have somebody coming for a training session, right? It's like I set up the equipment and it's all my equipment and I know exactly what they can do. But we have to like, now it's like, okay, take a picture of whether I'm doing whatever, right? And I was doing, it's interesting because I was actually doing this for when I would build online programs for people before. Um, it's like, take a picture of your gym, right? And give me all these specifics. Uh, but, but then this program is, is super, is that much more accessible for you because it's built on your terms, you know? So it's like, and we have to, because tonal is built on, the tonal workouts are built on the work, on the terms of anybody who owns tonal, right? And so it's going to be free and accessible to them in their houses. And we, we this has allowed us or forced us to find ways to be accessible to people in their houses. And I think that's, that's important, you know? Um, that's the only way that in the long term we can compete with tech. We're better than tech, I firmly believe but we have to be able to compete with that. How do you, how do you think we can keep, because, you know, one of the one things, really the main thing that I really like about in-person training still, you know, we always talk about like, okay, well, mm -hmm. you know, once things, you know, start happening with the podcast and with our online stuff, like, you know, I told him, I still want to train people one-on-one -on -one because I, I love the connection that I have with my clients. You know, there are some of my best yeah. friends they are like family now, you know, I I've trained some of them six, seven years now, you know, like I know them probably better than some of their kids know them. You know, and how do we how do we maintain that connectivity with the people that we're working with, even though we're looking through a screen? Because that was a big struggle for me with FaceTime at first. I'm like, oh, my God, like I, I can't I can't, you know, have any tactile cues. I can't like emotionally connect yeah. with them. Like how how has that been for you and how have you adjusted or how have you kind of advised other people who have come to you about 
still being able to make that, you know, real human connection that people really need and, and want when they're training. Yeah, I, honestly, that that's, uh, again, what you were saying is about you can't touch them. Like, yeah, I'm huge on tactile cues when I have somebody in the gym, especially with, you know, deadlifts, how do you squeeze mm-hmm. your shoulder blades, all of that stuff is stuff I can't do right now. Um, and it's hard because that that's the stuff that, for me too, I firmly believe I'm going to kind of continue working with people in the gym just because because I think long term that's where that's where I'm happiest and that's what I that's that's where I can give you the user the most value right um I think the thing that 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 I've been trying to do it and it, it's a little bit different right or just not what I'm used to either because I'm also used to kind of like it's like work and not work. Right. And in, in a weird way, I think the thing we have to do almost is, um, and because some of it too, and this is the thing that I've learned over the years, because I'm, I'm a very technical person. It's like, I want you to execute. I'm thinking in terms of numbers and angles and, and t- you know, that's how I tend to think about things. But the one thing I've learned in general too, is that it's also my job and, and people, they're like, you're a great motivator. I'm like, Oh, that kind of surprised me. <laughs> Um, cause I never thought of that, but it, the motivation that we offer is, is huge. And I think in some, to some extent, uh, the thing that we can do that helps is almost letting them in a little bit on start, sort of, um, our lives. Like you talk about, you know, you know, them better than their own kids. Sometimes they probably know you because you've kind of developed that relationship over time. Yeah, for sure. And when we can't, when we can't access them as, a, as aggressively in, in terms of, you know, offering those tactile keys, the thing we can offer. And this is also the thing that, I mean, granted to some extent, like, like, you know, these like influencers try to offer that same idea, but the thing we can do with our clients is basically, I think, let them in a little bit, both on like our, our kind of struggles. Cause you know, I'm sure you have days where you're probably not eating super clean or whatever, or where, you know, your workout just, you know, isn't great. I think letting them in on kind of like a little bit of our, our life struggles and also like our, um, just our mindsets a little bit. Cause I think that a lot of how I train people is based on kind of my own training mindset. And I mean, I adapt it to each person in a different way, but you know, it's like, there are certain things like I believe in it. So, and that they kind of translate across all my programs and all the work I do for anybody. Um, and I think letting the, letting people in on our mindsets a little bit more, um, that's the, and it's, it's a hard question because I think there is something that, that like you can't replace the, the I can't replace telling you to you know this is what it feels like to squeeze your shoulder blade showing you that on kind of my body and then having that tactile feel there to make sure you squeeze your shoulder blades on a row I can't replace that but I can try to over time you know show you this is why we're training back I try to let people in on my philosophy a little bit more and I don't know if that's the right answer that's just the only solution like I have at this exact moment I think that's a, a, a great way of going about it. You know, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, my clients are, you know, they're very intuitive. So they're always asking me questions on like, you know, why we're doing this. How is it going to help me? You know, what makes this more beneficial than some of the other things that we may could have been doing or, or whatever. But I think that that's, you know, letting people kind of see the other side of it is so important, right? Because it allowed them to buy in more to, you know, you and give you a little more autonomy over like, okay, 
this is what, cause down here, you know, everyone wants a body build, you know, everyone wants six back abs and bolder shoulders and, you know, so it's like, okay, yeah, great. But I need you to also do like shin boxes on the ground for a minute here or there, yeah. you know, and they're like, yeah, but this sucks. Like this really hurts. Like, yeah, okay, well probably shouldn't, you know, so let's do it. And then if you dive in a little more and explain to them like internal, external rotation and you know, why we add these things in the warm up, they, they actually do buy in a lot faster. I've got to say yeah, that yeah. something I have noticed that there's, I feel like there's been a different type of client mindset going into hmm. doing the online training during the Corona time than the mindset of them when Corona wasn't around. I feel like now hmm. they're a little more intentional with the workload that they're putting in. Um, and they're more focused just because they know that that's the only way or one of the only ways to really right now get what they need to get. So I just feel like it just really enhances that online experience also too from there. And because it, they're going to be able to just want not, not, not just be there, but they're going to want to learn exactly what they need to do because they feel, or they can't be next to you. So I feel like that level of focus enhances a lot on the client's perspective, which I think helps also too as a coach uh, where you've heard stories in the past, you know, the online or this and that. And then, you know, you've heard about the, the client bailing all the time because it was an online session or mm. not taking it as seriously. So I feel like there's also been a quality bump because the, the client's mindset has changed because, you know, they can't do the one-on-one -on -one now. You know, they can't do this approach that they're used to. So they have to kind of just, this is what I can do. So I need to focus as well and give them more of my attention and be more intentional when it comes to the actual movements. And I've actually, it's funny because actually one of my clients who I've been training for a long time, um, she was telling me how like she feels now, and obviously don't, don't get wrong, it helps them when you've been training them for a while one-on-one -on -one, so they understand their body better. But I remember a long time ago, probably like a year ago, she went on vacation. She wanted to try doing uh, um, three sessions. It was a two-week vacation. She wanted to do three sessions each week online. Let's, she said, let's, all right, let's do it. And that did not work at all. N I think mm -hmm. we got one session in. Now she's been taking all these trips everywhere, and we've been able to, I guess, get at least minimal three times. I see her in person five at least minimal of three sessions a week online. And she's just enjoying it. She's like, I actually have gotten to realize like, this isn't bad at all. Like I actually am starting to enjoy it. And I'm actually like, she'll call herself out too. She's like, Oh look, I'm doing this. I feel this like, okay. I feel that now. Okay, cool. Like I could just tell her level of focus and wanting to be there has gone up the roof. Then when, when, um, back then when the Corona wasn't around, where it was just, I guess, one of those things, well, I'll go back home, my trainer's in person, I'm going to train with him five times. Well, now it's like, okay, that, that accessibility is not there the same anymore because of the situation we're in. So I feel that in that level, I think it's changed a lot too. And and I think that there it, it goes to say something, and I think it can really direct and catapult the online fitness somewhere, you know, really interesting in, in, down the road in the future. Yeah, I think it, it's crazy because I think in general, one of the greatest lessons and this expand, this kind of hits that idea because I think I think one of the greatest lessons of Corona for fitness in particular was how bad do you want it, right? So like when I started training, like I started training, like so we had just moved. I didn't have weights. I literally, I mean, I was like also like super skinny, so it didn't matter and it was just fine. But I literally lifted like gallons of water, right? Because it was, and they were hard to curl, okay? They were killing me. But, um, but that was my workout, right? And it's because I really want, from the very beginning, 
like again like i grew up on superheroes and stuff like that that's what i want right and so and then obviously i you know now i'm in new york so like equinox and you wind up crossfit gyms and you wind up kind of pampered really with all this with all this gear that you can train with right and it's all accessible and all you have to do is go somewhere and then corona hits right and everybody in the United States for some, at some point, everybody in, in the United States, I think just about has been robbed of all this brilliant fitness equipment. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, it's like, how bad do you want it? Right. And so you kind of either, again, like, I mean, you go back to something I said early, just in terms of my own career and my dad and stuff like that. It's like, figure it out or don't. Okay. And it's like, and once you realize that you want it so bad that you'll figure it out, you're going to go to, you're going to make sure to get your online session because you realize that that's part of you figuring it out, you know? And then the other, I think too, like you're going to go to that online session because there's some agency to it now. Right. Cause it's not like you're just going to the online session. And it's like, Oh, this is part of your, your fitness. It's like, this is it. This is as much of Anthony or Josh or Ebenezer as you can get. So you have to take some, because again, like we can't watch it as closely. So you have to do some of it. And hopefully it like, it like empowers people, you know, it empowers people to make sure to kind of get their training. It, it gives them a little bit of agency because I can't, I can't give the tactile cues. You, Josh, can't give the tactile cues. So it's like, you've got to feel your shoulder blades and I'm going to get you as far as I can to make sure you feel your shoulder blades. But I need you to go the rest of the way because I can only go 80% of the way. You've got to finish the other 20. I think I just quoted, quoted like Hitch on like a kiss scene. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we could dive into all that Will Smith stuff that's been going on too. That'd take forever. So I gotta say one funny, <laughs> one little funny story because when you said the water gallon thing, yeah, um, no lie, this was a funny thing. I had a friend. I'm not gonna say his name. I don't want to embarrass him, but I had a friend who he was like, "Yo, bro, um, I'm at the um, I'm at the grocery store. I just left." <laughs> He's like, "Yo, since I don't have any equipment, I'm gonna use these gallons of water. What can I do with them?" And I, he was like, "I was like, bro, you could do a, you could do a lot of stuff." And I was telling, him, I was like. He's like, look, he took a picture and he's like, and I was like, bro, why'd you get that brand? I was like, he's like, what do you mean? (laughs) He's like, like, I was like, bro, you can't use that brand to work out. He's like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, bro. He's like, nah, you're messing with me. I was like, all right, bro. Dude, I no lie. An hour later, he takes a picture. He's like, bro, I returned it and I bought the brand. And I was like, bro, I'm just joking with you. It doesn't make a difference. I have to say that because that shit was funny. And if he's watching it, he's going to be like, dude, you're an ass. <laughs> but I'm not going to mention his name, but I had to say that story. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's great. That's hilarious. But, uh, you know, we uh, we just hit a little over an hour, man. It's been, uh, it's gone by quick. But I think we uh, dove into a lot of great stuff. We learned a lot about you. Uh I think tons of people are going to be able to, you know, take this information and, and really grow and learn and adapt as, you know, the times in our industry continue to change and continue to learn from people like us and yourself. Uh, before we kind of cut things loose, I know Anthony's going to ask you one final question, but uh, just kind of tell people where they can find you, you know, social media through Men's Health. Yeah. Um, so my Instagram is, uh, is at Ebenezer Sandman 23. That's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much the best place to kind of, find me i i'm also on uh menshealth.com i do a lot of stories for them um on the ladder app look up uh, origin because that's my workout over there and that's pretty much uh that's pretty much the rundown of where you can find me and i say anything useful at all so yeah great love it so i got actually three questions for you <laughs> what's your favorite marvel movie what's your favorite dc movie and 
what's the biggest piece of advice you can leave all the coaches going home, go, listening to this or going home with this so they can start applying it to their coaching strategies? Okay. Um, the Marvel movie is Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Love it. DC movie, um, Dark Knight, and I'm going to count that. Um, what's the last question? Because you got me down the comic rabbit hole. My bad. Tonight, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got too excited. <laughs> yeah. I had to ask those. Yeah. I, I, like, I like superhero stuff too. So what's the one biggest piece of advice you can leave all the coaches out there today that, can they, that they can apply to their coaching strategies? I think just, um, I think, and, and this is especially with, uh, with social media, because obviously this is how we, um, I think make it about the, make it about not you. Right. Because I think a lot of, I get, it's weird. I get a lot of, you know, how can I make my social media? Um, I think the secret to it and thing you want to do is make it for, think about who you want it to be for and make it for that person. But it can't be about, Hey, look at me. And it shouldn't be about, hey, look at my badass. It can be sometimes, you know, it's, look at my badass bench press or my badass, like, Superman push-up or how I look so often, right? It needs to be, like, especially right now, make it about the client. What can what can they get out of this? What can we give them um, that can help them get through corona? What can we give them? Well, how can we educate them so that they have more fitness knowledge? If we just make it about the client, I think one, the return is better for us because then they get more value out of it and they see that value and then they come to us, you know, they come to us for greater value. And two, and, and I mean, this sounds, you know, but this is just kind of my feeling on it too. Um, even if they don't come to us, they've gotten value and we have to, at this point, um, people need that right now. So it's like, I like I'd say figure it out in terms of fitness. Let's help them figure it out by not making it about us. You guys heard it. That's uh, that's an amazing piece of advice, man. I think everyone will uh, really benefit from that. And I, you know, I, I, I already learned a lot through the hour that you know we were we were talking. So thank you again for coming on, and we look forward to the next one. We appreciate you. No problem, man. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Sweat It Out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review.